I have two scripture readings this morning from the Apostle Paul. One from his letter to the church in Philippi, and the other to the church in Galatia. They're both about the spirit in the midst of community. And so the Apostle Paul wrote first to the gathered faithful in Philippi. I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. For God has graciously granted you the privilege of not only believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggles that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then Paul, writing to yet another early community of faith, the church in Galatia. For you were called to freedom, sisters and brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for indulgence, but through love, through love become servants to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Live by the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another or envying one another. Let us live by the Spirit. This ends the reading from two of Paul's letters to the early church. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of every one of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. In some form or another, in almost all of my years of ministry, I've heard something like this. I never thought I'd be living like this. Somehow I imagined life would be simpler. That life would be simpler now that I am, and insert your age. I thought I would have life together by now, some have said, but things are just askew. There are too few evenings, including nourishing suppers with loved ones. Too much time is given over to the demands of paid work or managing a home. Too much is given over to worry and exhaustion. And my closest friends, they're spread across several time zones. And the old neighbors, you know, the ones entrusted with the house key? They moved a couple years ago, and I barely know the new ones. I, I try to find community a little here and a little there. I do volunteer to help out as, as I'm able, but I don't want to be too involved. Well, here's my hunch. 
if you change the details a little here and a little there, maybe you mention a job that seems less than satisfying or meaningful, or a relationship that feels mired in coexistence. And here's my hunch, is that many of us, at some time or another, have shared a similar lament. And I think that's because we long to see our lives whole, to know that they matter. And sometimes I think if you're like me, you wonder, does all this activity make a difference? Am I really living in right relationship to the world, to God, and to each other? To each other. The Apostle Paul writes about life together. And simply put, he says it in beautiful ways that we need each other. I get it. Some of us need a little more time alone. Some of us need a little more time in groups. But all of us, all of us need to experience sharing a life together. Now here's my hunch that there are probably as many reasons for being here in worship this morning as there are people here. Some of us have come to talk about what it might mean to be a faithful parent or how we care for aging parents. Maybe you're here to discover how to use your God-given gifts in retirement or if you're brand new to the community. Maybe you're here hoping that through faith you can find and strike a better balance between work and family. Or maybe you need to be here simply because you wish to lay back in God's arms. It may be that you simply need a better path and a Christian community, a family of faith, and the worship of God can be a pretty remarkable map for the journey. I assume that when you made the decision this morning at home to come to worship, that you expected to find at least a different kind of community here than you might find, say, at the gym in town, or at the Starbucks, or at the club you belong to. I mean, don't get me wrong, all of those places are a form of community, absolutely, but of course they're not faith communities. What makes a Christian community different? What makes it different is that it puts us in touch with God's wisdom and beauty of the past, but that speaks to our tomorrow. A wisdom, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, that the fruit of God's Spirit is patience. It's love. It's kindness. And it does make us different than the gym. And yes, we are also different than other shapes of community because here, here, every person's gift is recognized and valued equally. And we need each other's gifts to be a community of faith. I remember when a friend of mine told me of the time that she was at her daughter's elementary school musical extravaganza. She was impressed, she was really impressed because the printed program very modestly explained this production was originally written for 15 actors, but it has been accommodated and adapted for our cast of 206. I mean, you know exactly what kind of show it was, don't you? You do. 
It was the result, the generous result, of no-cut auditions. It was a wonderful effort where every grade had a scene and no one, no one was left without something to do. Well, when it comes to church and community, you know what? I'm with the geniuses behind the elementary school musical who took 15 parts and gave 206 actors a chance. And that's what we strive to do here as well. Maybe we take a few loaves and a single cup of juice and feed hundreds. Or we take a task that we could pay someone to do and we divide it into hundreds of parts so that everyone has a job. Think church picnic. But here we don't call it a job. That's what's really important. We don't call it a job. We call it ministry. And I understand that, that ministry in a church is not going to be the most efficient model for getting something done. It's not going to be the most efficient model if our focus is on getting the task accomplished. But what's challenging to be a community of faith is to, yes, we wish to get the job done, but to care less about getting it done and instead to focus on the people doing it. I get it. I mean, at first glance, the reminder that we are not in the efficiency business might be an odd theme for a sermon on fall kickoff. And yet it's important, I think, to remind ourselves that our calling in life is not to be productive. Our calling is to be faithful, to be disciples who seek to live into patience, into faithfulness, into love and kindness. Our calling is to offer as many people as possible to the chance to know the spirit of Christ in community. I mean, our church should be and should strive to be a place with no-cut auditions and no political litmus test either. A place where we will find a part for you if you're willing to help. Our congregation has the gift of three full-time pastors. And pastor is a title which indicates ordained leadership. But along with three pastors, our congregation has about 1,400 ministers. The idea of that, of course, comes from the Protestant Reformation of over 500 years ago, and the phrase they used was the priesthood of all believers. And what that meant is this. We believe that every person is created by God in God's image, every person. And God places within each and every one of us gifts and talents, and then we are asked, maybe even expected, to use those gifts and talents in the pursuit of the kingdom of God. So anyone who uses her gifts faithfully is a minister. Now, the fact that each and every one of us is a minister doesn't mean that we all have to actually be like-minded. I know that's what St. Paul writes, but he doesn't mean that we have to be believing the same thing, but he goes on to explain that it's not really like-minded as much that, but that we should be like-hearted. Like-hearted. And that we lead with love and gentleness and self-control. Like-hearted does not mean we think the 
the same way. We all think the same things. But being same-hearted, being same-hearted is a foundation for faithfulness. But if we are simply same-minded, it might be an ingredient for failure. Because it is true, people are tending to go to churches more and more. And this is across the board of how churches feel, whether progressive, conservative, whatever it may be. People tend to go to churches where they will end up with people who agree with them, not about faith, but about political issues. Maybe that's one of the reasons America's churches are suffering so badly. So being sane-minded might be an ingredient for failure, but being like-hearted, being like-hearted is a foundation for a future. And I want to suggest to you that one of the reasons that we are a growing and vibrant Christian community is that I do believe we seek to be like-hearted. We take seriously our congregational roots. We actually believe and try to practice the faithful idea that by putting our heads together in thought and discernment and putting our hands together in prayer and service, that those are the most faithful ways that we will discern God's vision for who we are. We will never do it perfectly, but we will do it faithfully. Like-hearted, in generosity and loving our neighbor, regardless of their name or where they're from, I hope so. But like-minded, that is thinking alike, been around too long to know that ain't going to happen. And thank God. DeWitt Jones was an award-winning National Geographic photographer, and they interviewed him because they said, how do you do it? I mean, how do you, time and time again, wherever you go, across the world, create these beautiful images, these beautiful photos? And so he went on to speak, of course, of the importance of, he said, choosing the right lens. Makes sense. It says finding the right perspective and then deciding on your focus. And he said when he finds the right equation of lens, perspective, and focus, he might capture a beautiful image. But here's what he's also learned from photography. There's always, always more than one right combination. In fact, he said after taking one beautiful photo, he then approaches it from a different perspective, with a different focus, and chooses a new lens. And you know what he said he discovers? He discovers yet another beautiful and right answer. Another breathtaking image. It says something about community as well. Because he goes on to suggest by saying, I always begin with this belief that in any photo, there's more than one proper angle to a beautiful image. And I find that I have to approach the world from an attitude of abundance and not scarcity. I have to approach taking a picture from cooperation and not competition. That leads to the most beautiful images, he said. He's right. And that's what it's like in a family of faith. An attitude of of abundance rather than scarcity. An attitude of cooperation rather than competition. 
I mean, that's also what formed the foundation for the grade school musical as well. Instead of thinking there were only 15 possible parts, they envisioned how beautiful it would be with more than 200. And you know, after that show, my friend told me, I was thinking about church. She said, you know, I was thinking about how Christianity was originally written for a cast of 12 men. But it's since been adapted to accommodate men and women, talented and untalented, old and young, gay and straight, graceful and klutzy, rich, poor, wise, silly, the brokenhearted, the joyful, the people who are jovial, people who are shy. In other words, Christianity has adapted to accommodate a cast of thousands. And so on this day, as we begin our fall year, I wish to give thanks for everyone in the show, but also to express my gratitude that we seek to be like-hearted in our love and worship of God. May it be so.